Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. Do you follow the pack or challenge the status quo? Join Ted as he explores how to succeed by going against conventional wisdom. You'll hear leaders in technology and security tell stories about how they achieve their success by doing things differently. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. Welcome to another episode of Tech Done Different. I'm your host this week, Ben Schmerler. With me today is my guest, Cody McDonald, the CTO at IPT Global. Thanks for joining me today, Cody. I really enjoyed our uh, little chat before the recording, and I think our audience is really going to enjoy our conversation today. Thanks for having me, Ben. Of course, of course. So uh, before we really get into it, just tell me you know, the basics about yourself. What do you do these days? Tell me what you do. What, what's a day in the life of Cody like? First of all, just, just want to say uh, you know, thanks for having me for you and Ted. And I really enjoyed the podcast and I've enjoyed hearing other people's stories. So honored to be here and, and just a big thank you. Oh, that's great. Thank you. You know, I guess a day in the life right now, it's it's still a bit of a transition period for me. Recently did a, a pretty big career change, which I'm I'm sure we'll get into a little bit, but you know, it's it's everything from, you know, meeting with some of our clients to meeting with the heads of the different departments. Uh, right now it's kind of early year. So we're doing goal planning. We're looking at KPIs from last year, you know, really just kind of doing reflections on what went well what we've got planned, and then also trying to set ourselves up right for going into the new year. That's the work side, personal side, uh, you know, try to get out on uh, the mountain bike as much as possible and enjoy being outside as much as possible as well. And and you have, you know, you're the CTO for a company that is involved in, you know, drilling and oil expedition and things like that. You know, I'm really impressed, you know, if somebody just looked at this episode right up front, they would say, oh, CTO of this company, you must be a typical tech dweeb like that Ben guy who just sits behind a computer all day and plays video games and stuff like that. But that's not really where you came from. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your background, how you got into the industry and and really the personal stuff. I find that really interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I guess I'll, I'll go way back. You know, when I was growing up, uh, I always enjoyed being outside. We, I grew up in rural Northern Michigan and my first job was a cherry farmer. So I worked on a cherry farm for five or six years. I'd do that in the summer and then teach skiing and snowboarding in the winter. It, it was something that I always knew I loved more than anything. Don't get me wrong. We still played plenty of video games. My brother and I would play <laughs> Halo late into the night. But, you know, going into school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Originally, I had actually wanted to be a fighter pilot, but I am colorblind and also close to legally blind with my eyes. So that that dream was squashed pretty quickly. So, you know, I kind of just went through the normal you know, apply to colleges, pick a major, get in. And, you know, I always liked art and I liked business and I thought, yeah, I could be a businessman one day. So uh, I, I picked marketing and graphics design as my major. And I went through, you know, two years of that and had had a pretty amazing internship with some amazing people out in, in Las Vegas one summer. And, you know, I, I kind of had a a, a self-reflection and also, you know, really thought about what I wanted to do in the future. And, one thing I realized was school wasn't a challenge at that point. I was essentially, you know, I was paying for an education and getting, you know, I had almost a 4.0 after my sophomore year. And it was just kind of, 
it didn't feel right. And so I reevaluated and, and looked at something either in the engineering or, or science fields. And that's where I discovered uh, geology. And, you know, as soon as I realized that you can have a career studying the earth, for me, it was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. So, you know, I, I switched after my sophomore year into geophysics as my major. And that was, uh, that was an, an eye opener going from, you know, all business classes into, you know, all calc two physics one chem one all the the core base science and engineering classes and i had to relearn how to learn at that point and uh you know it completely changed my my own strategy on how i go about tackling problems but also you know balancing the rest of my life and how i thought about things you know i went through and in geology you basically have two maybe three career choices let's say you can do environmental geology, or you can go into oil and gas. And then the third, I would say would be academia. And I knew, you know, within a couple of years, I did not want to work for an R1 university and, and do academic research that, that to me was, was not even a question. So I ended up going and getting my master's degree. I made the decision pretty early on that I wanted to do oil and gas. And there were a couple of things for that. You know, the most obvious one is is the pay is a lot better. So as a very poor college student eating ramen noodles, that was very attractive. Don't knock ramen noodles. Hey, I've, I've probably done <laughs> damage to my body over the years of just housing them down. But, you know, the, the biggest thing though, for me was, you know, as a scientist, the, the access to the data sets and oil and gas, when as, as a geologist, you know, you essentially get to test your theories every well that's drilled. You do, you know, a year to years of work beforehand. And, you know, in the other fields, maybe it's a little different in, in environmental, but you don't really have that chance to actually see if you were right. So that plus, you know, some of the best data and technology in the world is what really drove me towards oil and gas. So I, during grad school, I got an internship with Shell and then I went and worked for Shell for 10 years, started as a, a geoscientist. It's the role that's kind of mix of ge geology and geophysics together, worked offshore quite a bit, you know, just really, really enjoyed my time working at Shell and met some amazing people, worked for some amazing people, but met one particular amazing person who uh, later went on to be my wife. And, you know, I, I tell everyone that I meet, including her, but she'll laugh at me. You know, she, she's literally the smartest person I've ever met. She has a PhD in geology and, you know, we, we worked together and we're friends before we started dating. And then the rest is history. But the reason that comes into the story as well is her parents started IPT Global back in 2010. And the whole idea behind the company was to essentially make the industry safer. And the oil industry is absolutely amazing when it comes to innovation on the mechanical engineering side. But when it comes to what your audience and, and kind of our space we live in, when it comes to, you know, pushing the envelope with software, what's what's going on in, in digital transformations, the, the industry is, is in the stone age in a lot of places. And the idea in the beginning of the company was it essentially, there are these tests that take place on rigs that are absolutely critical to see if, if the well is safe or not. And historically it had been done by something called a circular chart, which is literally a piece of paper and a pen. And it's a way that records pressure. So our company started around the idea of a, a digital transformation. So creating software to replace analog workflows in, in oil and gas, really specifically offshore drilling. And that's where it's gone from there. So I was working at Shell and, you know, 
COVID struck and kind of in the beginning of COVID, my wife, Alyssa, she had been kind of thinking about other career paths, other things. And then at the same time, what was happening was, you know, her parents have been moving towards retirement and they had brought a a CEO in when her, her parents were ready to retire. And it just wasn't a good fit for the company. So, you know, her dad had come back to work and just to keep things going. But what ended up happening was my wife ended up leaving Shell and joining IPT to kind of see where she could help out and help her parents. And, you know, lo and behold, they're like, oh, wow, you know, you have a lot of capacity and, you know, can handle this. So we have a new title for you. You're going to be running the company. So uh, (laughs) this is really where I find the story to get fascinating, though, because you're everything you've talked about so far, you're really focusing on a lot of these exploration stuff, but then you were issued a different kind of challenge. And this is another big pivot. So do you want to get into that real quick? Yeah. So I don't remember what month it was, but when your wife looks at you month and month over and says, I need help, you know, let's do this together. For me, it was a clear choice. And, you know, so I made the transition from, from leaving Shell to go to IPT. And it's interesting though, because, you know, Shell was kind of the dream job that I worked for in school. And once I, once I got there, I kind of had the, the mindset that this was a, you know, a lifelong career place to be. So it took me a while to kind of make that mental transition. So I, I came into the company and, you know, the idea was around the same. I was just going to help out where I could. And then we'll see after that. But I've always been very interested in software and software design specifically. And it's a little bit of the engineer in me and it's a little bit of the artist in me. The process of creating and the speed it happens in, in software development to me, I just fell in love with it instantly and kind of gravitated towards that part of the business. So currently uh, I oversee our our software development, our research teams, our product and, and data science groups as well. But that was a big change for you as well, right? You know, when we talked initially, you mentioned some things like, you know, math being a little intimidating for you and some other things. I mean, this was just another challenge. You just kind of kind of got thrown in. What was that like going from one kind of sciences to another and and not only expecting to be good at it, but like leading a company in that. That's a that's a big change. It really tests your self-confidence. And, you know, it's it's something that I, I really struggled with. But at the same time, the group that at IPT and, and the people were super supportive and welcoming. And, you know, the same with my wife and and her parents. And that made all the difference in the world. One thing that I mentioned to you that I value very highly. And I think it's it's one of the things that really differentiate people is stepping out of your comfort zone. And you know, every every self-help book says that, but when you're actually faced with the choice, it's a lot easier to say no and not go for it. So to me, because it made me feel uncomfortable, something in my head basically said, This is this is the right thing because you're pushing yourself, you're growing and and you're learning. And from just you know the the technical side of things when it came to we're in a unique situation not that unique but we're in the situation where you know the software development process is technical but then our our product is also technical so having to learn the well engineering aspect was not a huge step out from what I was doing before at shell and I was exposed to a lot of that before the software engineering the product development was fairly new to me I was involved a little bit with Shell, doing some QA testing with with some internal software, and but it was more kind of on my own 
volunteer time working with the software development groups at Shell. And, and while while all this is happening, I mean, the stakes are pretty high here. I mean, I think a lot of people who are in software development think about applications and getting applications right and having them function properly. But it's not just about having an application function properly. In your case, we're talking about keeping oil drilling safe, preventing spills, keeping things operationally successful. You know, I think a lot of people are a little disconnected from when they pump, you know, gas at their gas station about all the steps that it took to get there and what could have happened to have stopped that and maybe left their tank empty in the morning. So you you have to deal with a lot of that, right? I mean, you have to deal with both. I have to be a good software developer, but also we have to hit our mission, right? That's a, that's a really good point. And that's, that is a constant challenge. And you, you touched on a few things there. One is we're considered a safety critical software. Two, we are often doing our tests in critical path, which in you know layman's terms, these rigs that the companies are contracting you know, can be a million dollars a day to run a rig. So anything that the rig does, any activity the rig does that you can't move on to the next activity until that is done is considered critical path. And so our software is, is doing tests that are on critical path. So what that means is we have extensive QA testing. You know, we've got a big QA department, both internal developers, but also, you know, near shore. And then we do a pretty intense regression. And then on top of that, we do extensive field pilots and we've got, you know, really good relationships with our clients that help out and, you know, identify tests for us that we can kind of test out some of our new software with. And then we're also trying to kind of continuously do background maintenance on our algorithms as well, because anything that we, we've, we've calculated, done, or, you know, researched in the past, as things change, as we get more data, we need to double check our assumptions and make sure that we're, we're doing things right. So yeah, it's, it, it, it definitely adds a, a, an additional layer of, of pressure and complexity, but at the same time, the the safety side and, you know, moving the industry forward towards more, you know, higher assurance and more efficient solutions is one of the things that it makes my job really easy because it's easy to sell our vision to our employees and to our clients because we are making the industry safer. It's it's safer to drill wells because of our company. And we can look at an individual developer and say, you know, you should be proud of yourself for what you're doing and, and what you're what you're working on right now. And, and we, we spend a lot of time trying to link those things up. So, you know, every developer knows what they're working on and knows the bigger picture on why it's important. And it's really cool because you see that sense of pride and people going the extra mile and, and really tackling challenges that way. I mean, look, this is a, per, a problem a lot of people have is creating a connectivity and, and a meaning behind the work they do, you know, feeling like that when you left work at the end of the day, not only did you put, you know, food, food on the table and took care of your family and everything like that, but that also you felt like you made a difference that your work mattered. And so it must feel really good to to do stuff like that, knowing that maybe, you know, we talked a little bit about the BP spill that happened, uh, I guess, quite some time ago now, but you know, that was a scary situation. So it's really good to do that kind of work. We're a little limited on time. I want to make sure I have a couple more important questions to ask you. You're so fascinating to me, and I feel like I could ask you stuff all day. I want to touch again on the whole idea of uptime. We, when, you know, we're in the AppSec space, and we're doing, you know, some kind of ethical hacking. It's like we can't even imagine doing something that might impact downtime. Do you find it stressful to to work in an environment where the stakes are so high? And and I guess my question to you is. Well, what tips do you have for our audience who may be in a similar situation where the stakes are high and they're doing important work and 
And do you do anything to help cope with that, to make yourself feel better about the situation, to get you through it? You know, obviously you, you're willing to accept the challenge, but there's also just dealing with the, <laughs> dealing with uh, what goes on in your brain when all that happens. Yeah, it's, it's a really good question for, for us. And I guess for general advice is, is never to kind of take that burden on alone. We're fortunate that we have about half of our company is software developers and the other half are field personnel. And so we've got a real-time center that We've got people in chairs 24 hours a day, seven days a week, watching tests and and they're there for our clients. So usually I don't get a call unless something goes very wrong. And when that is the case, then, you know, it's, it's bringing everyone together and having conversations. But the biggest thing is, is being honest with the stakeholders, right? So if, if it is your fault, it's, it's good to have the conversation early and, and be honest as well. That's, I think that's the biggest thing is it's the integrity aspect. Never, never try to sweep something under the rug because, you know, you think someone may not notice. I guess that's my, my biggest piece of advice. It's not really dealing with the stress. It's more of how you deal with situations where other people are depending on you for, for their time as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cody, I really appreciate your time today. I find you very fascinating. It, it is your background really that, that is so interesting to me. It's, you know, when we first had our discussion, it, I sort of expected one thing and I was given something totally different. Any other tips you'd like to give people about, you know, maybe dealing with change and going through challenges and sort of finding your way? I mean, I, I mean, I, you seem to just change just seems to be a part of your life. The best advice I've ever gotten and something that I had an article in, in grad school pinned to my cube was it, this, essentially the, the difference between people who succeed and don't a lot of the times comes down to grit. And it's, it's being able to be uncomfortable for short term periods to achieve longer term goals. So think about grit would be one thing. And the other thing is go out there, make yourself uncomfortable, step out of your comfort zone. If you're uncomfortable with public speaking, then sign up for a Toastmasters class. If you're <laughs> a horrible writer, then start journaling in the morning. Something Identify something that makes you uncomfortable. And instead of avoiding it and trying to put it out of your mind, go for it. Because that's usually the areas that are the best to grow. So that's kind of, that's my big uh, philosophy in life. And it's worked out so far, but I guess <laughs> call me again in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, is that when you put effort into something and you try hard and you focus on it, usually things turn out pretty well. And the flaws in something, you know, nothing's ever perfect. The flaws people usually don't notice. Usually you're, you're your own worst critic. I hope I didn't make you uncomfortable during this interview. I hope it was a very comfortable experience. You didn't have to step out of your comfort zone too much. Cody, do you want to tell us where we can, people can find you if they want to maybe follow up, ask you a couple questions or anything? Yeah. So I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I do look at all my messages. I do get quite a bit, but I, I will read through them. So if you're interested in uh, hearing more or even just just touching base, please re reach out to me. It's Cody McDonald and it's MAC, like the farmer, not like the restaurant. So Ben, really appreciate uh, you having me and you know appreciate our other conversations as well. I, I reflect that your background is fascinating as well. And I could talk all day with you, but uh, I know you, we got a time limit. So thank you very much for having me and you know looking forward to more of your uh, podcast in the future. Absolutely. Thank you, Cody. The pleasure is all mine. And thanks everybody for listening and watching. And we'll see you next time on Tech on Different. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, 
sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.